This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Nate, why are you called John Starbuckle? Is this... Because I watched a video essay about Garfield, coincidentally, about three days ago. Well, I'm uh, I'm John Starbuckle, the owner of Starfield, the cat from the game. Oh dear. I don't know what I expected. <laughs> I hate Mondays. That's awful. That's haunting. That's Starfield, baby. To this season two, episode 29. I think it's 29 anyway. Well, whatever it is, it's the Starfield special episode of the Electronic Wireless Show podcast, Rock Paper Shotgun's PC gaming podcast, and the only podcast you need, in my opinion. As you may have gathered, we will be talking about Starfield this week. It is out yesterday as you listen to this podcast, Uh, although it has been in early access since the weekend before. If you paid extra, for the and I say early access as in you got access to it early, not you got a shit version of it. Although it is quite buggy. Um <laughs> if you paid extra for the super special edition, then yeah, you've been able to play it since since about a week ago. Uh we're joined by this week John Starbuckle, as you heard. Lasagna. <laughs> Why do you sound like a high-tech like space ghost that is here to kill it. You sound. Do you know what you sound like? You sound like a mid-tier one-episode Doctor Who bad guy. Well, you mean a Necron? <laughs> <laughs> Owned myself hard there. <laughs> and I'm also joined by James Archer. Hello, James. Hello. <laughs> How are we both? I can. I see that Nate is feeling whimsical. <laughs> That's, yeah, a, that's an up. ominous yeah. laugh. I, I, I'm adequate. I've, um, God, I don't, I don't even have like room in my brain to do a, to do a funny intro. It's just been like Starfield, Starfield, Starfield. It's, it's like if we were to take an MRI of your cortex <laughs> now, would it just look like what Han Solo sees out the window when he puts the Falcon into fifth gear and it goes, <laughs> and all the stars get long. Yeah. <laughs> it, it would look like, um, it would look like a load of ones and zeros. And if you put it into a, a translator, it just forms an image of Todd Howard's face. <laughs> <laughs> like the matrix, but all the numbers are tumbling into, yeah, Todd's profile. The majestic Todd face. Um, so, uh, well, obviously, me and James this week have been going uh, slowly insane in the vast void of space. Uh, what have you been up to, Nate? 
We've got a nice combo going here, actually, because I've touched more grass in the last week uh, than I have done in a, in a long while. I was just saying before the pod, uh, last night, it was a warm night, so I, I walked up the uh, the hill to the churchyard in the centre of town, and I sat and watched bats. Um, just magnificent goth dad aesthetic. Um, Very good. Really enjoying, you know... The, what is becoming the traditional September heat wave, I guess. And, uh, yeah, yeah, thinking about getting some millipedes, actually. Cool. That carries on one from the other. Are you going to become <laughs> a millipede-based superhero? Uh, it's, it's, a friend breeds millipedes and has too many on her hands. Um, and Tally's been expressing a lot of interest in having a large invertebrate of some kind. Oh, she said the best thing yesterday. Uh, there was a lot of wasps in the garden, and she came inside, came inside, and said, "I'm scared of the winged animals." <laughs> <laughs> I felt like something a Babylonian astronomer would say. <laughs> well, that kid is going places, right? <laughs> yeah, I got I got oh, stung by a goodness. winged animal actually. The wasps have gone mad here. We had this massive aphid boom in May. Um, we had this. We got this huge tree in the garden, and there were so many aphids on it. Their sugary shit was forming a mist on spring mornings. But I think oh. there was a commensurate boom in the wasp population, which is now finding itself uh, in a little bit of a Cormac McCarthy's The Road situation, and they've all all gone mad and. You know, just uh, pumping venom into anything that moves. Is there going to be like a little dad wasp and, uh, <laughs> but yeah, baby wasp rolling along like an apple, <laughs> sadly. <laughs> oh, oh, it's so lucky we don't have grubs. Oh, mate. Are you exchanging some of your inbred gobies for the millipedes? No, no, I can't foist the bastards on anyone. Uh, <laughs> but the, uh, the the gobes are doing really well, actually. And oh my goodness! Wow, live news as it happens. The Himalayan long-armed shrimps have given birth again. Wow! I'm just looking at their tank now. It sits opposite where I record, and uh, the mother was carrying about forty eggs, but she's not anymore. So I'll have to go and have a look Ooh. around in that tank. There you go. Live updates. I do like the, the gobies for you becoming like you know when someone moves somewhere and their <laughs> garden has their garden they suddenly have a garden that has like gooseberries or blackberries in it and every autumn they make fuckloads of jam and whenever they turn up anywhere they're like oh I've made you some jam like you're just turning up places going I've got here's a jar of fresh gobies for you and people are like oh no we're still we haven't used up the gobies from last time thank you though <laughs> wait if i can just like pervert ashley's obsession with fermented foodstuffs to like oh ancient roman fish sauce oh god we could sell ghostus branded like goby garum at ludicrous <laughs> premiums you're gonna be i'm fine because i'm on another you know <laughs> Landmass, but you're going to start some sort of patient zero situation. <laughs> Fucking horrible Gobi jam on you. Gobi jam. Ugh. Okay, let's move anyway. on from that. Yeah, there's no way to segue from Gobi jam to. Actually, there sort of is actually, 
in the future in Starfield, every all the food is cube shaped. They have there's the biggest food company is called Chunks, and everything is like a little. You get cube apple, and then you get gourmet chunks, which is like Ooh. a little a cube of a cube of cheesecake or like rice and beef. <laughs> so is this part of the retro aesthetic? It's NASA punk, mate. Yes, let's That's discuss that. Genuinely, what it's called. <laughs> yeah, okay. Let's let's move in seamlessly into our main topic of the podcast. This week, we are talking about Starfield, what is Bethesda's massive game. Many things have been said about it. Pete Hines at one point said it was irresponsibly large. And at another point said that, you know, you'll kind of get going with it 130 hours in. I think that was misjudged for him. The main quest is not anywhere near that long if you just follow the main quest but you can end up doing all sorts of like billy billy bum cloths stuff along the way that will pad that time if you're not singularly focused um someone got very angry you couldn't land on gas giants as well didn't they well so you can't listen I am in the middle of writing my review for Starfield as we record this. I've been playing it a lot. And all other listeners may be aware that we were one of a group of UK publications that did not get early access review code. So the reviews that went up day one, they had the game two weeks earlier than we did. And we officially got code as the embargo lifted. So um, I know, yeah. Who can say why? I am sure PRs <laughs> don't have favourites. It's just one of those crazy random happenstances. Uh, the, the UK got less code, I think, in general. Um, but anyway, whatever the reason, we haven't had code till sort of recently-ish. Um, I'm right in the middle of writing my review, and one thing I will say is that Starfield manages to make space feel very small. <laughs> <laughs> Even though it's simultaneously big. I don't know if James agrees with this, but I've been saying all week in the Slack that I think it feels smaller than Skyrim or Fallout as a game because of how how you interact with it. In a a sense, I agree. It feels like like there are a lot more individual locales you can miss it, but because they're all spread out and you have to go through like four different menu screens to get to them, mm. um, it just feels like a, a kind of loosely connected yeah, series of visits rather than it being all, all taking place yeah. in one like massive you know, country or region. Yeah. Um, it's a bit like... Yeah, it's, it's kind of like... Um, I felt kind of the same about uh, The Outer Worlds. Um and mm. yeah, Starfield is kind of like bigger, bigger budget out outer worlds. In the, it's not really, it's not really even like one, one world. <laughs> it's just a load of yeah. It's a it's a load it's a load of cities and um settlements, and then sometimes a desert which you'll have to traipse through. But um, yeah, yeah. So, I, uh, I know what you mean. Do you mind if I wade in with a couple more yokel questions? Please yeah. Do. Go for it. So I remember when I, I, I was a day one No Man's Sky gentleman and um, there was a distinct feeling of being whelmed with the planets there 
um because they were they were spherical but they felt they felt comically small they felt like child's toys and i couldn't the thought of the game the way i couldn't have thought of a way for the game to get around that easily how have they dealt with planet size in starfield so the planets are big but the the large they are largely proc gen so there are authored areas and authored things that might pop up on a planet there are cities that you can, you know, spaceports that are big, you know, seats yeah. of human civilization. But for the most part, you can choose to touch down somewhere at, on a planet anywhere and it will procedurally generate that area around you. Um, most planets are barren. Some planets have, you know, life. Um, they are largely empty. Um and there, there are no. It, so, I loved Skyrim, right? And one of the things I loved about Skyrim is that because it was, you know, it's a relatively small map by today's standards, but it was big at the time. And you could see somewhere, you know, you start the game and they're like, right, the first place they're going to go is, you know, Riverwood or whatever it's called. Yeah. And then from Riverwood, we're going to send them to. White Run. That's where they have to go next. And then on the way to right White Run, you'll see like farms around the outside, and you'll be like, "Oh, let me go talk to this guy on the farm." And then you turn up in White Run, and White Run is small. It's not like the size of a real town or a city, mm. right? But it has, you know, it only has like fifteen people or whatever. But they all have a house and a job, and some of them hate each other. And like on the way to places, you can find something weird and whimsical because most of Starfield A is very big. Um, most of the characters you meet in it are called like citizen, so you know when you should talk to someone because they'll be the only named character in the fucking area. Oh, right. And B, you can't just you know. There's no sort of deciding to walk somewhere. Do you know what I mean? And then accidentally finding something interesting oh, along the way. Yeah, because that's the beauty, isn't it? Is trying to navigate to a distant landmark only to have a troll, you know, yeah. stop you weeping because he's lost his watch. Yeah. Yeah, and so there's there's not really any of that. There's a bit of that in the cities, but that's largely delivered by like you don't often run into a person who's like doing an interesting most of the quests i've d d discovered is because i'll walk past a guard and they'll say i'm really annoyed that that you know mrs paracetamol has been at us because her husband's dead you know there's a there's a big it's always the guards talking out loud about something and i got a, i get a powerful feeling of like uh being in the truman show of it because like is that I true for you as well, James? Are you feeling you're in a bubble a bit? Uh, actually, no. Um, I've, I've, I, I agree that it's not, it's not the same thing where you like you see somewhere, like off in the distance, and you think, oh, I'll, I'll go check that out. But there is a kind of like similar, I like in my experience, there is a similar kind of pipeline of moment of curiosity to, you know, m minor adventure, like um. I, like, like one time, I was just like dicking around, like seeing where you know where randomly I could put a pointer on a planet and land and see and see what was there. Um, and yeah, most most of the time when you do that, as opposed to landing at a settlement, um, it is just barren. Uh, but sometimes you'll land like quite near to 
well, like the the first time I did it, I landed right next to this massive like ship repair yard or something. Um, that had that was like it had been abandoned and then like occupied by space raiders. Oh yeah, and it had like yeah, the you know. The actual like questing involved isn't really questing. You just like kill them and then poke around, and it turns out oh, there's some good loot here, and then there's, and there's like some screens with a bit of lore on them to read to read about. But still, that was something that was just born of I wonder what happens when I visit this place, and then seeing oh, there's a massive <laughs> there's a massive structure off in the distance. I'll go check that out. Um, so the the thing about that is that I have deliberately sort of broken that system as well because I'm doing a, a playthrough separately where I try and visit every planet or touch down on as many planets as I can. Hmm. And that is a repeating thing. Like most times when you touch down, they will also generate a point of interest to go and look at. And most of them will be an abandoned signal tower or abandoned, yeah, you know ship graveyard or whatever and they are all functionally the same because you fight some spaces or or pirates or whatever and get some loot get over encumbered walk back to your <laughs> ship <laughs> you know I, so, I got a real sort of like this is a, a real wankenstein's monster point to make but i'm gonna make it i think a lot of the problem with when you're designing really big universes or really big game worlds like that are these quite a similar problem to like impressionist painting? Because what you were saying about Whiterun a minute ago, as you say, it's not in any way the size of a functional town, but it's got representations of all of the functions mm. of an actual real town. And so it feels like when it's kind of like if you look at, you know, Van Gogh's sunflowers, it doesn't look like a fucking bowl of sunflowers. It's nowhere near as detailed, but it's absolutely 100% what it is. So I guess it's. Yeah, it's it's a you know it's le- level design is impressionist. Oh, there you go. Slam myself into the bin for that one. I like that. But it sounds like that's what that's, that's what's failing here. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like James, you're you're less. I'm not. It's not like I'm down on it. It's fine. I think it's fine. I agree with IGN seven out of ten. I think <laughs> if we gave scores, but it wouldn't be like you know a Mad Max. Classic seven out of ten, seven out of ten. <laughs> when a seven out of ten is more than a seven out of ten, it's just a straight down the line seven out of ten. I think. Yeah, it's real e- EWS I, deep cut there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I it's not it's not going to go down as Bethesda's best work um, in a general sense, but it is like it's absolutely working for me personally. Um, yeah, I did think I did think initially um, it wasn't. Uh, as good as their previous games at kind of like hinting or directing you towards like decent meaty side quests. Mm. Uh, in, in like <laughs> in like Fallout Three, you you walk out the you walk out the door, and within like twenty minutes, someone's telling you to detonate a nuclear bomb in the middle of a town. <laughs> um, or, in, or, like, or in like Skyrim, like you escape, and then you go to a river run, I think, and someone's like, "Hey." You want to raid an ancient burial ground? Yeah. And, it, and it, I, I didn't initially um, get that from Starfield. It, it was just like, here's a main quest, or like, I don't know, become a security guard. Um, but then, but then, like, just uh, just a tiny bit more in, into it, like it was kind of like coming together like that. Like, um, 
the the be- my my favorite thing I've done is found like just a, a note on some random dead dead guy um, that that I killed. Like it was one it was one of the uh, the space raiders, um, and yeah. that like that little brief moment of picking up a random inventory item turned into this like actual adventure with traveling across multiple space systems and then getting into the hardest gunfight I've had inside the secret <laughs> lair that turned out to belong to a space Batman. And that's, See, that's awesome. And that's why, that's, <laughs> what, that's what I like about Bethesda RPGs at their best, which is that they escalate in ways I don't necessarily yeah. expect. And yeah, like Starfield, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't look particularly interesting and there is like a load of emptiness and yeah, a lot of, this, a lot of the side quests are dull, but there is also just that, just that bit of Bethesda magic that I, that I wanted. So, um, yeah. Well, forgive me if I'm wrong, is- but it sounds like what you've, what you've really enjoyed there is the fact that you've been given the inciting incident mm. for that, that, you know, that adventure. And there was an end point with the, the space Batman, but you had to plan out what came in between. And that, that, that's always the moment that gives me a real thrill in games when I feel like, you know, the, the kind of the goals there and the objective, I, I kind of know what that might look like, but I've got to work out the route there. And that's what makes it feel like an adventure rather than just being fed an experience. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm having to, you know, chart my way through the map. And yeah, Bethesda's fucking great at that. Yeah. I, I, I think for me, I, because it's so big, there are so many quests in it that are fucking pointless that you have to say yes to everything on the off chance that it might turn into something more. I think the interesting things are too hard to find, mm. basically. And it's also, I sound like I'm really down on it. There's a lot of stuff. It's an enjoyable video game experience. Um, but it's very, I think, especially compared to like Fallout and the Skyrim. And why wouldn't I compare it to Fallout and Skyrim? Um it's much more serious. Mm, I think it is, there's yeah. less the- less whimsy. Like there's no, you know, robot gumshoe private detective. Even the robot isn't that funny. He's not at all funny, really. Oh, what yeah. I, I really can't stand about the Fallout series and you know, it genuinely is an obstacle in the way of me enjoying it, is I don't think it knows where it wants to be tonally. I, I said mm. this when I reviewed Fallout 76. Um, like, one minute, it's all, like, harrowing voice logs of, like, a teacher trying to protect their children in the aftermath of nuclear catastrophe. And then it's like, oh, goofy skeleton, done having a beer. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, which is it? Is this, like, slapstick retro 50s nonsense? Or is this Cormac McCarthy? Like, make your fucking mind up. Uh I you guess know. I guess Starfield is at least more consistent in that regard. That's true, but it's just a bit like like one of the the there's like a a cyberpunk city and then there's also a firefly city where the, because the other thing about it is that like it's Bethesda's new IP, but they have not really substantially been able to imagine anything that does not already exist in their previous IP. So you've got like the libertarian mud cowboys and you've got the and you've got like the kind of <laughs> you've got the like uh, you know organized slightly fascist you know medicare society and like you know the pirate so there's not really fundamentally any new factions or anything like that have they ripped um, off warhammer at all i love it when that happens no they have not ripped off warhammer 
as far as I can see in any way. But um, in the libertarian mud cowboy city, which is Firefly Town, there's like a, a fetch quest you do that is genuinely like your fetch quest is to go around town asking for donations for the shelter for like unhoused families. And that's wow. and then you try and get donations and then you go back to the woman and you're like, here are the donations. And she's like, thank you. And that's kind of it. Like there's no longer quest as far as I've been able to discover to like systemically change things in the city <laughs> so that, this, you know, the fucking shelter is not needed anymore. It is a fetch quest, but like hung around a serious thing. Yeah, to, that's... And I, I was like, come on. Is this the time to ask you uh, to elaborate on NASA punk? I don't really know what NASA punk means, but but it's like I think it's just in love with the aesthetics of NASA. Yeah, I guess. where everything's like grey and slightly like in, clearly intended to be streamlined, but still slightly bulky because it needs to contain a load yeah. of tech. Hmm. Does it feel like the nineties? I th- I think more like. It feel like mid two thousands. It feels like what someone in the nineties might have thought like twenty twenty three would look like. Yeah, that's fair. All right, that's interesting. Yeah, it's yeah, that is so a definite aesthetic, isn't it? It's definitely more NASA than punk. Like it, it's still yeah. A, a lot, a lot of the technology still resembles stuff we already have today. Yeah, I don't know at what point punk uh, changed to mean looks like. <laughs> that sure is a thing, eh? Uh, cool, that know, zebra's a bit horse punk. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that factory. It's really building punk, yeah. I think it does have a, a much more specific meaning and probably someone's listening to us uh Oh, I'm enraged. being completely sarcastic. Yeah, it makes me furious because it is originally like a concept with political weight that has been entirely defanged thanks to Ren Fairs and goggles on top hats. There you go. I there are a lot of things that like we're not supposed to th- like talk about from like the the review guide and things are like, please don't spoil these things. One thing I will say is that like, you can go to our home system and you can go to earth, which is a completely lifeless desert. Like there's nothing there at all. I tried going. Yeah. yeah. I tried going to like, you know, Egypt and seeing if they'd put in like the remnants of anything, but no, there's nothing like it's completely like, a, a yellow sand desert with no plant life or anything. Yuck. And I was like, that feels quite pointed, really makes you think. Um, it is not because of climate change. It is not, it turns out, a really makes you think warning from the future kind of deal. Um, it turns out, I guess, climate change at some point got fixed and then it was scientists' fault. <laughs> I can't really go in... <laughs> So, like, after climate change, then some scientists came and fucked everything up. Right, it'll be like um, a grey goo scenario or something like that, right? So one one of the one of the more outlandish sci-fi apocalypses. I I can't say anymore without like spoiling things, but I was like, oh, for fuck's sake, like, <laughs> and I don't really, I haven't completely organised my thoughts about it, but like, it doesn't even really make you think. <laughs> I'm going to make a huge guess about uh, 
the game and say, I bet it has got alien civilizations in it, but only as knackered ruins from some forerunner civilization whose secrets you're unable to decode. Uh, I don't know if I can talk about that either, but it's just I'm generally right. I'm way... T- I'm totally right. <clears throat> it's just a way more boring vision of space than... <laughs> that I was hoping for personally. And I complained about it being grey and someone made the point that like, do you know what, we should, space is majestic for what it is and what it is doesn't necessarily include like fucking neon aliens and, you know, disco ball planets. And I get that. But I feel that like Starfield, that, you know, that is a point that has merit. I do not feel Starfield is supporting that point necessarily (laughs) in the way that you play it and experience things. Um, That's fair. Uh, but there are some, like, some of the planets you can land on do have abundant life and kind of interesting life forms. There's one you have to go to Cassiopeia for a, a companion quest, and that has it, it has sort of rocky, kind of New Mexico, you know, big orange rock formations. And um, there are big, like, danger crab monsters that like look like the rocks and so in some of the authored kind of experiences you can see where like oh this you know life has evolved on this planet kind of thing to to fit in with the the world around it oh yeah that, which I is love, kind love of good a bit of exobiology. but that doesn't kind of happen very often because things are like the planets are largely unauthored um, so it, it is just me beating the drum for making games smaller again, basically. <laughs> I just really interesting the whole vibe. Of, I don't think you're slamming uh, it by any means, any means, but you really remind me of me having watched Interstellar. <laughs> That's what? all I'll say. <laughs> it's, yeah, I don't know. That 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 was just a. a a blockbuster science fiction experience that left me thoroughly whelmed. Yeah, I think whelmed is good. But there are a bunch of things I, I do like. Like, James, what's something you really like about Starfield? Uh, I like how sometimes you get into a gunfight in zero gravity and the ballist- all the ballistic-type weapons like sh- <laughs> propel you backwards when you fire them. Yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> Yeah. So Can you do that like in ze- in, in like um, a spacesuit as well on the outside of a ship. Oh, I've not tried. I've no, not you tried. Can't. I've not tried spacewalking yet. Can you? I don't think you can. Ooh, oh, I, I, I'm I'm sure I saw a clip of someone like yeah having having a gunfight with it. like the big black starry sky above them. That mu- they might have been like on just on a planet looking up <laughs> rather than yeah. in space. Oh yeah, uh, I just want to be Buzz Aldrin with a Glock. <laughs> that would be cool if you if you could just like um yeah a- attach one of those spacewalking tubes to you get outside yeah. the ship. I don't I don't think you could can do that because there's stuff like you can fly you can't land on planets like you can't go from like space to seamlessly to landing. Um, but you can fly up to a planet. You, Alana, um, I want to say Alana Pierce, like from orbit, you can fly to the planet. It takes like seven hours. So you can fly across space. It just takes a very long time. 
Um, so functionally, you don't fly across space, right? But the planets are just sort of skyboxes that, that that you you clip inside the center of once you reach the surface, okay. basically. Could you um, have a fist fight on the surface of the moon? Yes, you could absolutely do that. Call an ambulance, but not for me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I do really like the dogfighting in space. I think that's... Oh, really? Cool. That's, that's one of the things yeah. I, I don't massively care for. Really? I like it. I think it's good. It looks very with, um, exciting. It's good with... It's much better. It's much easier to control with uh, mouse and keyboard, I think, than the old controller. Okay. So yeah, I, really I don't, I don't, I don't know. It just seems like um, it just seems like because because you have so much shield, like even on your basic default starting spaceship, you yeah. you either you either just walk like every one versus one ship fight, or there are just or there are like just too many ships for you to take on at once. Mm. And so so it's like it's like this min max thing where you can either like easily do it, or you <laughs> it's like you massively struggle to do it with no no real. Bit in between. Um, uh, I don't. Know, I've had some like some quite fun like clutch fights, you know. But I do like to improve your ship because the first ship you get at the frontier is dog shit, and you should trade up as soon as you can and like get yeah. a better ship. But to engage kind of properly with the um, the ship, but the the dog fighting, the space fights. Basically, you have to engage with the ship building stuff, and that is a little bit opaque. I think they've not been. Yeah, definitely. super helpful with that at all. That's what excites me most, if I'm honest. Actually, having seen some of the creations people have made, mm. um, almost feels like the sort of the little explosion of creativity we had after that Zelda game came out recently. You know, people making the mad physics objects. Yeah, um, people seem to be getting like really into the creative side of. of well, to be honest, seem mostly trying to recreate famous pop culture spaceships, but I still think that's fun. Yeah, me too. Like, uh, yeah, and I think it's sensible of them to like let you make, you know, a firefly class. You know, <laughs> like it's it's always so finicky though. Like the construction in was it Fallout Four had the big mm. construction yeah. system. I thought that was awesome, and I watched a lot of YouTube videos of people basically playing The Sims in in Fallout Four. But I found it way too annoying to put much effort into myself. Exactly the same with the construction system in yeah. Ark. Like they always, the potential's so good, but especially when you're playing with a controller, um, yeah, yeah. The so you can build like outposts similarly on different planets in uh, Starfield as well, and then you can like assign people there to them, and they'll like if you properly get into it, that these outposts will like you know collect, um resources and stuff for you i couldn't quite get it to work like every time i built an outpost it wouldn't register that i built an outpost so i need to make sure that i'm not doing it completely wrong oh wait so this um, is pretty similar to the town the towns yeah. that you build in fallout yeah. yeah 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 like very similar to that and you can also buy homes on planets i cannot really see the point of that uh in terms of like a, it doesn't seem to improve you know you'll get you don't get any benefits from it um, but I do like, I, um, I took the starting kind of perk. You don't have to take any, any traits, any perks when you character create. But one thing I like is that I took the kid stuff one, which is that your parents are still alive. Oh yeah, I took that one um, too. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. 
and they and so you have to send them money and then as you start like traveling around they start fucking showing up like on jollies in their retirement with the money you've been sending them like that's great. going to going to a club on like the cyberpunk planet and taking recreational drugs and shit um, <laughs> and like and you join constellation which is like the indiana jones faction that you sort of have to join at the start that's like the whole plot um, and your dad turns up and is like, I'm super proud of you, here's a gun. <laughs> <laughs> no, that does clash a little bit with, so I also picked uh, for my main playthrough uh, to be a neon uh, street rat. So I grew up on the bad back alleys of the cyberpunk town. Uh, so either my parents, my parents adopted me after that. Or they were shitty parents who just <laughs> dumped me on this planet. Which is a good normal family with a neon street rat aesthetic. So they live on uh, New Atlantis, which is the first big city that you go to, and that's the Medicare fascist faction. And it's all lovely and like water features. And well, I shouldn't say Medicare fascist. It's kind of like uh, you seen the expanse, like Mars off that, right? Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Like, Medicare is a very good thing, to be clear, but the idea is that, like, you know, the, the there are two kind of big human civilization factions in space. One is the Freestar Collector, which is the Libertarian Mud Cowboys, and then the other is the uh, it's Universal, it's like the UC or something, and they're like, they have much better, you know, systems of government and what have you, but uh, the idea is you have less freedom or whatever. Um, so, oh my God, they're just doing the Firefly thing of clumsily reinventing the Union, the Confederacy. Well, they do it in all their video games. Oh, they do, don't <laughs> they? <laughs> you know, those naughty, um, naughty buggers. Um, but my parents live on New Atlantis, and the first time you turned up at New Atlantis, you can talk. You know, you can go around talk to people, and a bar bartender was like, "Is this your first time here?" And I could say, yes, it is. And I could say, no, I've been around, you know. But I didn't get the option to say, oh, actually, my parents live here. And mm. I sort of expected that I would. And I think it's that, it's missing that little extra, like the Bethesda little kind of little extra bit on Reactivity. it. Reactivity, yeah. Yeah, exactly. That I was sort of expecting. Like, oh, something else that really annoyed me. I did, I did a heist. I did... As part of the main quest, you have to steal uh, an artifact from basically Guillermo del Toro's. Um, <laughs> not Guillermo del Toro. The Wolfman, the collector in um, Marvel oh. films. Ah, uh, he's a Guillermo. Yeah. Anyway, no, Benicio del Toro. But yeah, there you go. I knew yes. one half the name was right. Benicio del Toro, like his character from the Marvel movies, basically is in this game, and you have to steal an artifact from him. And he has a big weird ship that's got a zoo on it and whatever. And you can obviously go in all guns blazing. I, because I'm a bit like more persuady, sneaky, I'm a scoundrel. You know, I d did all this stuff. I talked to his mercenaries. I paid them off. I found the the password for the weird animal zoo. I uh, found up. a warp spaceship you know. zoo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can't build a spaceship zoo yourself, Nate. Well, but. tell me about the beasts, though. Are they Earth beasts or are they? They're alien beasts, but they're all just little cockroaches, basically. Extraterrestrial vermin. Yeah, that's most of the. the well, you sure as hell buried the lead. 
But there's a cockroach zoo on a spaceship, Alice. Yeah, but you don't. They don't really do anything. And they did real bugs. In fairness, I I did all this stuff to, and I like broke into the back of the vault by finding like a weak door and whatever, and I killed the only guard in there without alerting anything else. But you cannot. There is no way to not initiate a fight because the minute you pick up the thing it alerts everyone and i reloaded it loads of times i was trying to find a switch like is there like a weight thing can i hack it so i can take it without anyone noticing no and i and i was so disappointed that the game like you can do all this stuff and then the game will be like now fuck you you have to fight your way out anyway because we've decided that that's how this interaction has to end that's very not immersive sim, Prime Minister. Uh, and I just expected, I don't know, yeah, like James says, a little bit more reactivity. How, like, I feel like I've been very... T- <laughs> I'm enjoyed- now Mr. Starfield because of the cockroach, so... I really... F- I don't. That isn't the lead, Nate. I really feel like <laughs> the cockroach zoo is not a substantial part of the game at all. <laughs> I will like most planets you land on will have some sort of crab creature. Oh, see if you know if you'd have told me like, yeah, not only can you build your own spaceship, you can make most of it a replica Victorian glasshouse and just cram it full of nineteen varieties of procedurally generated crab. I'd be like, perfect game. Eleven <laughs> out of ten. I suppose, yeah, I mean, there is a, it does a lot. It's very impressive. There's a lot of stuff. I think I would have just enjoyed it more if it was smaller and a bit more curated. But, uh, but then it's, I think it's luck of the draw. Like, it sounds like James has just found more fun side quests than me. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 do, I do think for their next inevitable open world RPG, uh, whatever, well, I guess it'll be Outer Scrolls 6. Um, yeah, the, they just like focus in super hard on the orphan stuff. The mm. RNG stuff, like I get, I get, I get. You kind of have to use it if you want to make like as many massive planets as this. But the alternative is that you know you don't have to make loads of massive empty spaces. Yeah. Um, and like even even going back to like Skyrim, the the randomly generated air quote quests and that like the worst part of it. But ever since ever since then, it's just been like, yeah, let's do more randomly generated stuff in every in every game. Like this is like the culmination of build of yeah. like building yeah. a game through proc gen. Um, and like 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 so I said, is- like there's there's still there's still enough offer stuff for it to, for it to work for me. Um, like a long time Bethesda RPG apologist. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like like it's like it's like you said, it's like it's like. This this game is kind of a good argument for just you. Can, you can make smaller games; it's fine. Just have a star system. Have the libertarian mud cowboys on one planet, and the 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 you know big government fascists on the other planet, or whatever. Like you know, they make the trains run on time, but boy, I'm not allowed to buy a cappuccino, or whatever. <laughs> and, <laughs> And this really feels like um, this, this is. I'm not, I'm not sure what the coin is, but this is the other side of it from the discussion we're having after Boulder's Gate about you know increasing sort of benchmark for people's expectations. 
Do you know what I mean? Because now that is, yeah. I have been this thinking, is a very good case for for being you know less ambitious. I've actually, I've actually been thinking about it about that, but in a slightly different way, which is that I do find it a bit weird that two weeks ago we were all agreeing that the essentially the conditions needed for Baldur's Gate three to be this massive sprawling RPG no longer exist. Mm. Um, and now people are kind of ragging on Starfield for not creating an entirely populated and seamless simulation of an entire galaxy. Which you could say <laughs> which you could say the original you could say the original sin there is like Bethesda trying to make a, yeah. a massive and seamless simulation of an entire galaxy and like marting it as such. But I'm not sure that's entirely what even like the marketing hype promised. They just said it was going to be really, really big, and it kind of is. Um, but yeah, I, I, yeah, I think there do need to be limits about what people should have expected, and to to a degree that is down to people's own <laughs> critical thinking skills. Oh, <laughs> I, I yeah, I mean, it promised it is really, really big, and it is. I just don't think that that, that has um, created that, a the, fun. Yeah, the bigness, video game. bigness <laughs> itself is not necessarily yeah, a, so, a quality so i think we need to like change what we think about when we think about ambition right because because like hmm. the strict size of Baldur's gate in terms of like the area right is a lot smaller than starfield yeah but it is a much denser game and is a much more authored game. And almost all the side quests that you could find in that actually plat back into the main story in some way. And, you know, it has a lot of ambition, but a completely different kind of ambition to Starfield. And if Starfield's ambition was just to be a big video game, then like, good. But I, you know, can I not also ask for it to be interesting? <laughs> It's like we've been striving to create a series of larger and larger boys with anvils for heads when what we really should have done is just given them boys' heads, let them be boys. I'm not sure that quite works. <laughs> Send it down the chute. Can't all be what? winners. <laughs> well, uh, let's move on to what we've been playing this week. Which I guess for me and James is Starfield. I'm playing this RPG called Starfield. Oh, well, I've actually been uh, t- too wholesome to play much at all in the last one. I've even, you know, even laid off the bad stuff with the old Hearthstone. So I'm I'm really in the mood for starting something big, and I actually want to use this opportunity to ask you both. Baldur's Gate 3, Starfield, or something entirely different? Um, if that was we so musical. <laughs> if we were picking between the two, I think you'd... Oh, I don't know. I think you maybe vibe more with Baldur's Gate 3. Because um, it has much more strategic combat, which I think you've got the chops for. And it's a bit sillier, and there's a lot of like big Nate energy going on with it. Um. This I don't know anything else that has come out recently because I've just been playing this. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, oh no, I feel genuine sympathy. <laughs> I went, I went from Baldur's Gate three into Starfield, uh, and I feel like my brain is melting. <laughs> they are at least completely different from each other, both in terms of like art direction, vibe, and you know game game gameplay so (laughs) there's that 
I can at least distinguish the one from the other. But uh, yeah. What do you reckon, James? Should I go Baldy G? Uh, I actually think I think Starfield might allow might have a bit more freedom for you to play out your uh, zoological fantasies specifically. <laughs> he can't make a zoo. Don't tell him he can make a zoo. We, this is like we Christmas. Know, we, He's saying do, he's going to get a new bike. Do we, he's not. Do we know for a fact that you can't like entrap animals in in like one of your built settlements? Because you could in Fallout. You could have. I guess you could have. You could have caged beasts in Fallout. That's true. You could build like a big, but I think it. Unless you were very, very quick, it would have to be much more of like an animal park situation, and you could have like a little space. You know. All right, folks. I give it sixty percent odds that next week on the podcast we're talking about my aborted attempt to make a zoo in Starfield. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. God damn it, I'm gonna try. <laughs> <laughs> this sounds like a plan. Oh, God. I'm doing, uh, as well as my review, I'm doing a, a diary series where, yeah, I try and visit every planet and try and break the RNG, basically. Um, but Edwin, our news editor, is, and I promise this was a total uh, coincidence, conceived by himself without discussing with me a diary series where he does not land on any planets and just steals <laughs> spaceships and travels around that way. Um, I like that. Yeah. So we'll see how that goes. But I, I have, yeah, I haven't been playing anything else, which is... Oh, see, I did want to you ask know. you about, um, in lieu of that then, on the mm. site I saw... Oh, I can't remember exactly what the headline was, but it was it was a game that RPS compared to both RimWorld and Mount Mountain Blade. Uh, does that ring a bell? You're gonna have to be. I don't. I don't know, mate. I'll try and find it and link it in the show notes. But... Oh yeah, no. If it just happened to have been a piece you like edited yesterday or whatever, I wanted to no. hear more about it. But I guess I should just have to go to rockpapershotgun.com. You're Indeed. home for all things PC gaming and read the fucking article myself. Yeah. And uh, if you, listener, have any suggestions for nice little short games that would be like a, a brain wipe, a little palate cleanser for post Starfield, uh, you know, gorging, then uh, email us podcast at rockpapershotgun.com or have a little chat in the Discord. The link is in the show notes. Uh, you can you can let us know if you have any ideas. We are also, I should say, running some articles on like other space games. If you've not, you know, played space stuff before and Starfield has made you hanker for more, or if you want something a little bit different to Starfield, then Alice O is highlighting some different spacey things. So just website. hit the space bar and come on over. Oh my god. <laughs> Do you know what it feels like today though, James? It feels like a good day to wear hard it does unfortunately i'm still gonna have to keep talking about starfield <laughs> <laughs> yes uh so first off a uh, quick report on starfield on the steam deck do not do it um it is maybe playable just if you have like <laughs> every setting on absolute rock bottom including like upscaling and uh uh what's uh the, the dynamic resolution 
Um, maybe it's playable like that if if you're like wandering around the middle of nowhere, which you do, which you do sometimes do in Starfield. But if you go to any city or settlement, or you get into a gunfight, or even if you're just flying around a particularly high traffic bit of space, it will just chug. And that is the worst possible combination when it both yeah. chugs and looks like a PS1 game because you have upscaling and dy- dynamic resolution turned all the way on. I will say, um, Starfield should be coming to Xbox Cloud Gaming, which you can access on the Steam Deck with a bit of tinkering. So if you have specifically a PC Game Pass Ultimate subscription, that'll give you both Starfield and access to you know, the Microsoft Cloud Gaming service. And theoretically, that could be a better option for playing Starfield on the Steam Deck because you're not actually running it on Steam Deck hardware. Maybe. The only thing you need is the only thing is you need a constant internet connection, which isn't super duper in keeping with the concept of a handheld. But it'll work. No, if, it'll, it'll work if you just want to play on the toilet. Uh, <laughs> also, uh, <laughs> do you think that was Todd Howard's vision for Starfield? His, his groundwork. I really hope that people can play this while they're taking a shit. <laughs> oh, folks. Todd here just chiming in. That's, his, that's exactly it. I wanted the cosmos boiled down to a position where it could be experienced from one shitter. Why does Todd Howard this week sound like a Bullingdon Club fucking Tory MP? He's going through a lot right now. <laughs> oh, uh, dear. Oh, also- I hope Todd Howard never listens to this. <laughs> <laughs> I love your work, man. <laughs> uh, the, the other thing was, there, there is already a, um, oh, a couple, I should say, a couple of Starfield mods that uh, add DLSS to it. Uh, Bethesda, as previously discussed on a, good way, on a Good Day to Wear Hard, is having a bit of a love-in with AMD, so Starfield only comes with AMD FSR for upscaling, which is not as good. Uh, I've tried one of these DLSS mods, uh, just called Starfield Upscaler on Nexus mods, and it's good, but it turns out that the creator, a uh, chap by the name of Pure Dark, has a little side hustle where he essentially makes better versions of his DLSS mods, um, including ones with Starfield and Red Dead, Redemption, Red Dead Redemption 2, and he only makes them available to people who subscribe to his Patreon. So... So specifically, he has a mod which adds um, DLSS-free frame generation, which is NVIDIA's AI frame interpolation thing for their new graphics cards. Um, And that adds that that to Starfield on top of regular upscaling. But it's a paid mod. To enforce that, he puts DRM on his mods, which is already like the the maddest sounding thing to me. Um, yeah, that is. But there was there was another twist this past weekend because someone has cracked said DRM on on his Starfield frame generation mod. So now we can say that PC gaming has a pirated mod scene. It's very <laughs> it's very strange. It's very My dude. I'm gonna, I'm going to need you to make this happen in California in like 1843. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, okay. So uh, 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 uh a note a notable beans producer has just brought out their first new flavor of beans in like eight years yeah and um 
it's it's all right. Well, I I think it's all right. I think Alice is a bit Alice Cowboy <laughs> ancestor is a bit more down on it. Um, I I they've given me a lot of beans, but I prefer fewer beans that mm. had like a nicer sauce. Oh, this is beautiful. Bringing it all together. <laughs> um, and an an independent um, I don't know seasoning merchant with no with no. <laughs> No official affiliation to the beans manufacturer has produced has produced a seasoning uh, which makes it taste better when eaten with like the newest and most expensive forks. <laughs> which, this is my favourite recurring which, feature of this show. Which, <laughs> and and that's that's like that's pretty good on its own, and you can get the seasoning for free. Um. But it, turn, but it turns out he also he's also made a secret um, additional <laughs> formula for this seasoning, which also like <laughs> reduces the ca- reduces the calorific content of the beans, so they're healthier. <laughs> um, <laughs> however, despite despite seasoning being fa- fa- in, famously in California in the nineteenth century, all seasoning was free. Um, this this seasoning merchant wants people to pay him a monthly subscription service <laughs> in order to access in order to access the low calorie seasoning. Um, I still need to breathe for a bit. And this this ticked this ticked people off to the extent that a bunch of bandits raided his seasoning caravan <laughs> in, in the night and made and made off with a load of crates of it. And now and now you can now you can get that seasoning, but only on, on only on the black market. And it's kind of it's kind of a weird thing because you think, well, stealing's wrong, but you know, did, did he cut? Was he kind of asking for it? Like, <laughs> my abs hurt. <laughs> oh James, that was masterful. Yeah, that was an effort, man. Oh, oh. oh dear. Oh. In all seriousness, uh there is a part of me that thinks um like a lot of modders do work that is wholly beneficial to the games they work on, and it, it is very technical, high skilled work, and you could argue, I think that a lot of them deserve some kind of compensation for it, but also mm. that can just happen through like voluntary donations. Um, it is very much the established, settled norm, and I think in the spirit of modding, that the mods themselves should be free, in my opinion. Like, I don't know. Would, would you guys pay for a mod? Yeah. Um, I, it depends. Like, I have... So when I was like big into The Sims, I was supporting a modder on Patreon. I really liked all the, the stuff she did. Um, I don't know. It's, but 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 could know. you could you only get those mods if you subscribed? No, no, they would. Yeah. I would think very carefully about paying for a mod before I'd used it. But yeah, because I tend to use mods, like for example, I use quite basal ones, like the one in RimWorld that allows you to prepare, you know, in a more granular way than the game allows you to by default. Um. Like retrospectively, I would happily pay sort of seven quid for that. Mm. I wouldn't have done ahead of time because, like, well, you know, is is this going to be competently made? Is it going to fundamentally change my experience of the game, and is it going to do so in a good way? Um, yeah, yeah. So I, I like yeah. I like being able to donate and support creators, but 
you know, it's 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 hard to be convinced to get over a price barrier. Yeah, I think I, I think I'm the same as you now. I think I think I'd even probably tolerate like if they wanted to put some kind of like text win text window pop up. It's essentially an ad saying like donate to my Patreon. Like I've, I'd probably live with that. Um, yes, as long right. as I can, yeah, try try it for free because ult- ultimately it's a. You know, you, you're, you're, mess, you're messing with software. Things things can go wrong, if nothing else. Yeah, it's a weird thing as well. Yeah. I suppose as well, like now, as games get more complex, modding them is more work as yeah. well. Like you're having to do more. So the landscape has changed over the years, as it is wont to do. Mm-hmm. Here you go. <laughs> Uh, thank you so much for uh, that segment, James. Very let's um, let's head now to the Tower of Jocularity. Hi there, folks. How's it going? Oh God, he's back. Oh no, <laughs> it's, it's John me, Starbuckle. John Starbuckle, <laughs> I need your help. Starfield has ascended. <laughs> In Hold what on. Way? I need to stop talking into this mug. Oh, sorry about that, folks. I had a mug taped to my face, but I managed to get it oh, off dear. now. Oh, uh, dear. So listen, my pet cat, Starfield, um, uh, you, I, th- I think you will have seen him before. He's orange, black stripes, about 97 light years across. And he's, yeah, uh, yeah he has ascended to a higher form of being, and I kind of need to haul him back, so I thought you could help. Okay. Um, what I've done is um, I've Googled some trivia questions about Starfield. Uh, they're all very, like, eerily difficult. So we're going to do this as a sudden life, okay? Unfortunately, that means both of you are now dead. Um, okay. Imagine oh. yourselves as... You know the trope of, like, a frightening skeleton in a cracked astronaut helmet? Yes. You're that. Um, we're environmental uh, storytelling. Yeah, yeah, you're a bit of environmental <laughs> storytelling. Uh, you've got a comedy beer in your hand as well because you're in a Bethesda game. Um, that happened to me when I was playing the game because I got a bug where everyone's faces disappeared and they didn't have any hair, and so I was just some eyeballs. In it. <laughs> 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 it, it is <laughs> So yeah, you're both skeletons in spacesuits. As soon as one of you guesses the right answer to one of these Garfield trivia questions, you'll become uh-huh. alive and get to escape. Okay. 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 So, what superhero does Starfield pretend to become when he dons his blanket? Oh, wait. Okay. Um, (laughs) Uh, (laughs) No, are these questions about Garfield? Yes, they're about Starfield, like I said. Oh, no. (laughs) Uh, Okay. um, You both got to guess an answer. Darkwing Duck. No. God, I don't know. <laughs> Lasagna man. No, it's a good guess. I prove the spirit, but you remain a skeleton. Okay. Uh, in what year did Starfield's uh, strip premiere in newspapers? Oh, it's oh. fucking, it's older than we thought. I think it's yeah, like Yeah, reach 70s. for the egg. Grasp that egg. 1978. Yes, boy! That's, uh, I said the 70s. Ser- seriously? <laughs> yeah. 1978? Yeah, okay, I'll tell you what. That was a guess bl- the month right, and I will I'll buy your lunch tomorrow. Oh. July. Oh, that was a 
complete blind fucking guess, but I I fancy my luck now. Uh, March. Ah, uh, buying your own lunch, buddy. It's June the nineteenth, nineteen seventy-eight. Oh, too off. Oh, it was close. But no, I'm with seventy-eight. That was good. That might be the most efficient barnstorming of the Tower of Jocularity. <laughs> and it's done. Done so. <laughs> Starfield's dead. Oh no. <laughs> I'm sorry, you Todd. Were too yeah. <laughs> I've ruined everything. <laughs> yeah, thanks. I mean, I should get we... all right. <laughs> should, should, I, I think Alice should get one more chance. Yeah. Okay. Little bonus one. Uh, let me find. Let me find one that's possible. Oh. Oh, In no. the beginning, how many eyes does the creator suggest cats should get? What? I don't know what that means. This is deep Garfield lore. Like, we better tread lightly. Six. You've only gone and done it. <gasps> Six. They only yes, have two eyes left, though, so they have to make do. Yes, yes, mate. That is really impressive. Well done. Okay, no one goes away empty-handed. Splendid. Oh my god, that was... <laughs> Easiest tower of my life. Bizarre and upsetting. <laughs> Thanks for playing, guys. All that is left now, as we come to the end of the Starfield special, the Electronic Wireless Show podcast, is to offer some recommendations, because every week we recommend something that is not a video game. So, James, what are you going to recommend this week? This week I'm going to recommend Higgity Feta and Red Pepper Veggie Rolls, which are these little sausage roll-type pastry bites that have become one of my snacks of choice. Uh, by snacks, I mean I can eat an entire pack of six shortly after having dinner because they're absolutely delicious. <laughs> they're also they're also vegetarian if you're into that, and don't include any palm oil if you're not into that. So, to these, I know the company you're talking about because they make uh, spinach and feta uh, pies that used to be one of my favourite dinners slash lunches, and I miss them a lot because I can't get them here in ireland or maybe i can if i went to like a bougie food place but um they're so nice i didn't they brought out bites oh i have to i have to make a trip to the uk (laughs) (laughs) my god um i am gonna recommend the i I can't remember if i recommended this already because we missed a week but i'm gonna recommend the dungeons and dragons film uh among thieves which I'm pretty sure I haven't recommended before. Uh, it's on streaming now. It's fun. It's a bloody. Ooh. It's a bloody fun movie, lads. Where can I watch it? I really want to watch that. Um, I don't know. I think I think it's on it's Sky. On it might be on. No, because it's not. I don't think it's Dizzers, but it's on stuff now. Oh, it's Paramount Plus. But that's there you not go. In the UK is it or is it? It's on stuff. You can. Yeah. Check. You can, I can't remember exactly. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it's on Sky Cinema. It, but it's it's really fun. Uh, I like it a lot. It does a good. It's a good. Do you know what? It's a good solid film that like 15 years ago would have become a summer favorite. But because now everything has to be a three hour long Marvel fucking tie in, um, this kind of I think went under the radar a little bit. But 
really fun, really good balance of like, you know, putting stuff in for the fans, but without making it incomprehensible if you're just watching a fantasy movie, you know, some very good performances, some genuine yucks from me. Uh, I, you know, good, good fun family time with some fantasy hijinks. I definitely recommend it. Excellent. What are you recommending? uh, A YouTube channel called Clint's Reptiles. Um, It's not what it sounds. Uh, Clint himself is, imagine if Kermit the Frog became a human being and immediately acquired world-class communication skills and an encyclopedic (laughs) knowledge of animal phylogeny. Um, Sure. The guy is a gentleman of the highest order uh, and I have nothing but respect for him. He's just a very, very positive, energetic um, and and earnest young scientist uh, who does videos on animal taxonomy, which is obviously a huge passion of mine, and makes it both really in-depth, very, 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 like, surface level, easy to understand, and just quite personable and entertaining as well. He did a really, really good video this week um, on... There's all sorts of, like, actually quite seismic changes taking place in the way animals are classified. Um, And he made a whole video on the point that... um, Let me put it this way. If you were to classify crustacea in any way that excluded butterflies, you would also have to exclude, like, 80% of what we recognize as being crustaceans. E.g., insects are, well, butterflies are more closely related to crabs and lobsters and what we think of traditional crustaceans than, like most other types of crustaceans. So yeah, there's a big movement now to classify all insects as crustaceans. And he just did a fascinating video on it. Can you explain yeah. that as if you're a cowboy? <laughs> <laughs> well, you see, we didn't used to classify rocks as a kind of bean, but now, well, now rocks are beans. And I ain't got no teeth. <laughs> Very good. Excellent. Thank you. <laughs> that is just about it for this uh, week's episode of the Electronic Wireless Show podcast, Rock Paper Shotgun's PC Gaming Podcast, where we talked basically entirely about Starfield and I made it sound like I hate it. I don't hate it. <laughs> we will be back next week. But in the meantime, you can uh, you can find Rock Paper Shotgun on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter and TikTok. Just search rock paper shotgun and uh, you can also check out the aforementioned discord the links in the show mo- notes and as mentioned as well you can email us at podcast at rockpapershotgun.com but of course for all of your pc gaming needs just go to www.rockpapershotgun.com and for now it's goodbye from me alice bell it is goodbye from john starbuckle <laughs> oh god it is goodbye from james archer goodbye Bye.